have our guest speaker here. Mark Marks has been with us Friday and Saturday. For those of you who don't know who Mark is, about 11 years ago, he began to take teams into the streets every week, and then more than that, of Coleraine in Northern Ireland, part of the Causeway Coast Vineyard there. And over the course of the last 11 years, many other churches have picked up this model. There are, there are vast numbers of churches who do this. And indeed, at Causeway Coast, they've seen over that time thousands of people healed, some of them absolutely astonishingly, and also thousands of people, many thousands, who have opened their hearts to Jesus on the streets. So some, a, a real phenomena is happening in Northern Ireland. One of the major catalysts is Mark, and we're absolutely thrilled to have him here this morning. Now, there is, if you're interested, some resources. There are some resources at the back. There's a table, and you can buy these. There's a little training DVD on what Mark may mention this morning, the miracle question, and also a book called Stepping into the Impossible, which is a story about the, uh, this whole ministry of healing on the streets, a great read. So if you would like to purchase those at the end, you're welcome to go over that way. But for now, would you please welcome Mark Marks. Thank you. Uh, thank you, John. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you for the invitation here. It's, it's an incredible privilege. And I come with uh, stammering lips of clay, and I tremble here, and... You know, I, it's, um, this is not my natural place. You know, I, I was born in Cape Town, South Africa. I um, was three and a half when I came to England. I, was, got, I got saved in a Pentecostal church under the ministry of, a, of an Anglican. And I know that God has a sense of humor because he's called me, someone who is shy and introverted, to be an evangelist. So either, you know, someone's made a mistake or God has a sense of humor. But what I've discovered is that he's really smart and, and that if God can work through someone like me, he can, he can work through anyone. And so um, it's just it's amazing that I'm here. We've just had an amazing couple of days out on the streets. Fourteen people have opened their lives to Jesus uh, one of the things in, uh, I'm, I'm part of the staff uh, of the Causeway Coast Vineyard Church. Actually, they pay me to stay away from there. But um, one of the remits when we do meet together, and I, I do get a chance to meet in our staff meeting, is that we can't share a story that's older than a week. That's our remit. And we can only share the stories We've got an hour slot just to share stories, and we could go on. It's amazing what God's doing in our community. So on Tuesday, I was on the streets in Coleraine, and this young man had a, had a, uh, a serious back problem and um, problems with mobility. Um, we led him over to a, a bench, and in his own words, he said he was really skeptical that anything would happen. But as we began to pray, he felt, in his own words, this is how he described it, a whirlwind came inside of him and around his heart, and he was absolutely shocked as he got off the bench that he was completely healed. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? And then, um, and here's a real cool one. There was on uh, Thursday, I, didn't know, I don't know if you, what the weather was like here, but it was one of those rare occasions in Coleraine where the weather was absolutely incredibly warm and sunny and bright and um, so we went to 
Port Stewart, and Port Stewart is uh, just really on, the, on a beautiful coastline, the Causeway Coast there, and you've got to come and visit and have a look at that, that coastline. And people are out, outside the bars, and they're having a drink, and some of the team went there and be, began to share Jesus with them. And uh, one of the guys said to one of the, the women standing there, could we pray for you for anything? And she said, well, if you can tell me what my birth date is, I'll let you. And straight away he said, 3rd of February, and she nearly fell over in shock. <laughs> That's cool, isn't it, when God does that, that kind of thing. And um, I always wondered, you know, um, my, my story, a little bit of my story, God took hold of me and began to... Uh, bring me out onto the streets. And you need to know this. You, you are sons and your daughters. You have a heavenly father in heaven who loves you with all of his heart. If you don't get anything else in these next few minutes, you need to know this. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will speak deeply into your heart. Yes, Father, I pray for the deepest revelation of your love for each one in this room, that these are, these are precious sons and precious daughters, and you love them so much. But as you embrace them and you hold them close to your side, and the Father's eyes are gazing outside the building onto the hurting places, the broken places, to so people who are far away from him. And that's where his heart beats. And when, the, when we, the church, connect with the heartbeat of God, we come alive. And I just love seeing you know, the church coming alive as we were on the streets yesterday and just seeing 14 people open the hearts of Jesus. I spoke, and I was speaking, um, I was in West, where was I yesterday? West? West? Bridgeford. Bridgeford, sorry. <laughs> West Bridgeford. I've still got to get, get used to all the, all the names. And what was that other, that other place, the first place? The, the Stan? Stapleford. Stapleford, that's right, sorry. I'm learning. So the first day I went to Stapleford, and I don't know, do people think that's a difficult place? I don't know. But I got out of the car, and within 10 minutes in the car park, I, I led this lady to Jesus, just went on the corner with John. Someone got off the bus, and, and then within 15 minutes, he had been led to Jesus. So I thought, well, this is an amazing place. And then yesterday, we were in West Bridge, that place, and um, started speaking to uh, this family of three, of father, mother, and a daughter who's pregnant. And I said, if you know, uh, could I ask you a question? He said, sure. Um, if God could do one miracle in your life today, each one of you, if you could answer one prayer for each one of you, what would you ask him to do for you? And the father smiled and said, oh, that's easy. To win the lottery. I said, okay. I said, what about you? And, and the daughter says, uh, that my baby would be okay. You know, I said, that's, that's good. And, and what about you? Turned to the mother and she said, that my whole family would be safe and that God would take care of them. I said, great. Would you mind if I just pray for, for all of you? So they looked at me, nodded, and I began to pray. And I first, so I started off sharing the love of God and how much God loved them. And then, and I began to pray. And Father, I just thank you. I just, Father, I just ask that you would give financial stability to this family. And I sort of tapped the, the father on the shoulder and a little wink, you know, say, you know, God will take care of you. And, you know, whatever your need is and the need of your family, he, that God, your heavenly father, would meet that need. And I began to pray over the baby, began to prophesy over the baby in my, through my prayers. She begins to weep, then turned to the mother and then began to pray uh, my best prayer that God would take care of the entire family. She begins to weep. And um, I could just see they're so open 
to God. And, but then the, uh, the daughter who's expecting in, in May uh, just really had to go to the restroom, you know, so uh, they had to go. But, there was, but the mother hugged me and, you know, they said, oh, we just wish you had more time, but, but we have to go because, you know, my daughter's desperate, so they left. And went across the way and I was standing with Jim and uh, Jim was having great conversations. That was a fun, you have to hear his, his story sometime. That's a very, very funny story. But leading people to Jesus there and... Uh, I began to speak with um, this young girl who, again, just began to, God began to show me what was happening in her life, asked if God could do anything for her, what would she ask, and she said, to help me in my exams. So as I began to pray for her, God began to reveal some things that were going on in her life. Actually, she needed healing, she did, so I began to pray for that, and then began to give me some, God began to give me some insights into what was happening in life. And she was weeping. I shared the gospel with her, and still with tears in her eyes, she accepted Jesus. And it's just so beautiful that we, we are able to bring God's love to people who are far away from him. And, and I come alive, and the church comes alive when we're able to do that. And um, so, but as God led me out to the streets, I... I, I really don't like being in the front of anything. I like to hide away. I don't know if anyone's like that. Are there any shy people? Are there any introverts in this room? Put your hands up. In, introverts. Okay, it's a good, it's okay. So we've got a good mix in this room then. You can identify with me. I would much rather be at the back, you know, hiding away somewhere. But, um, so, but God's called me to be on the streets and to engage with people out there. And, and I used to lead teams many, many years ago. I have a signs and wonders ministry 27 years ago. See God doing the most incredible things on the streets. If I used to do crazy things like have a, have a speaker on the, on the street, I would preach and invite people to come and that, and, and, um, for healing. I would tell them about God's love and say, if you need healing, come. And when they would come, I would say, now, if Jesus heals you right now, would you honor him by publicly testifying that, um, you know, he's healed you. And they would say, well, if I'm healed, I'll tell everybody. I said, great. So I, pr- I would pray for them. And then I said, I tested it, how are you? And they would go, gosh, I'm healed. <laughs> I would give them the microphone, and then they would begin to testify, and the crowds would grow. And that's what I was involved with. And I would go all over uh, the UK, and I ended up in Ireland. I went to the south, and I did some things there, and it was just wonderful to see God moving in the south of Ireland. Um, I remember in Westport, the first person that I prayed there was a nun. Her name was Mary. She was deaf in one ear. And um, when I began to pray, I actually put my finger into her ear. I was quite a young Christian at the time. I put my finger into her ear, you know. And uh, uh, all the traffic stopped in the road. I mean, literally, we're on the high street. The traffic stopped. And I took my finger out, and she took the mic and began to testify how God had completely healed her. And when I was in, in the South, people would say, Mark, you should come and live here. And my response was, thank you, but no thank you. You know, my bones crave heat. Uh, I pref- and if you know anything about Ireland, they call it the Emerald Isle for a reason. You know, it it's, rains a lot. It's very green. And it can, can get pretty cold. And I like warmer climes, you know. So I said, thank you, but no thank you. And then I traveled to the North. And then there were some prophetic words for me. Mark, we believe that God is calling you to Northern Ireland. So in my own time alone with the Lord, I would pray these kind of prayers. Father, thank you for what you're doing in Northern Ireland. 
but please don't send me there to live. <laughs> and then 17 years ago, God sent us to Northern Ireland to, to live. And, uh, and it's an amazing place. But I always wondered, what kind of prayers do you have to pray to get posted to Hawaii? You know, <laughs> I mean, how do you do that? Or, you know, I met these retired missionaries to Saint-Tropez. I mean, they're conducting weddings on yachts. How do you get that sort of... I, I, I don't know. But what I've discovered is that when you, you follow Jesus, even though you don't know uh, why you're going to a particular place or why you're doing a certain thing, and it may be the very thing you don't want to do, that you'll find your sweet spot. And it's the very center of God's will. But anyway, I want, I, I want to open... God's word, I want to speak to you from the book of Judges. Maybe there's a, a word of encouragement here for you, okay? I hope and I pray. My words and my message, like Paul says, um, are not with wise and persuasive words, as he, as, his testimony, as he shared his testimony about Jesus. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that... Our faith is not resting on men's wisdom, but on the power of God. So I'm praying right now for the Holy Spirit of God and the power of God to come in this room. I'm reading from Judges um, chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Opera, that belonged to Joash, the Abariz, the right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord, Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. I find this, I find this story amazing, because I, I think I identify with Gideon so much. You know, that um, I just really like to hide away. <laughs> and, you know, Gideon is in, um, you know, the, the, the land is overrun with Midianites, and he's hiding the only thing they have left, and he's in a wine press. And don't you sometimes feel safer hiding away in a wine press? And this building could be a very nice wine press. Uh, and, uh, you know, we feel a lot safer and secure when we're in a building rather than out of the building. And an angel appears to Gideon 
the angel of the Lord, says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And that's what I believe the Lord is want, wanting to say to each one of you right now. To each son and daughter, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, you may not feel like it. You may not act like it. You may, like Gideon, have the excuse that you are, the, as a clan, family, the weakest in Manasseh. And that you could be the least person, the least likely person that God would ever want to, to work through. But you're the very person that God is wanting to work with. You're the very person. And, and if God could just open our eyes and open your eyes to the revelation of who it is he's, he's calling you to be, of what he's raising you up to be as, as individuals and as uh, this wonderful church that has such incredible influence, not just in the UK, but around the world. If God could just open our eyes to see. And sometimes we're a little, we're a little slow, we're a little afraid, and we feel safer in the building or in the wine press. Well, certainly I am. That's why I can identify with Gideon so much. God, how could you use me? I'm, I'm shy. I'm an, I'm an introvert. At times I feel like a coward. But God says, go in the strength that you have. And what made the difference for Gideon was that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. I remember when um, I started to go out onto the streets and, you know, I, I just wanted to see happening the things that I was reading about in God's word. As a young Christian, you know, God, as I said, God saved me in a Pentecostal church under the ministry of an Anglican. That was an incredible encounter with God. Um, when I started to read his word, I would be up until two o'clock in the morning until my eyes were almost falling out of my head and, and I would fall asleep with the Bible open on, on the pillow and then I'd wake up in the morning and continue reading you know, where, I'd, where I'd left off. And there was such a hunger in me to, to, to do the things that Jesus did. I, I was excited. I was stirred in my spirit about the things that I read about. These are the things, the stories, the things that Jesus did and the disciples. And I was, it excited me. And where are these things today? Where are these things happening today? God, I want to do these things. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to follow you. And he led me out onto the streets. And I remember, you know, um, going onto the streets and I would do anything to reach people with the love of God. I would literally do anything. I just didn't know how to. And I remember I learned all forms, kinds of evangelism from the sketchboard. I don't know if anyone ever remembers a sketchboard and, you know, and there was... Um, you know, street preaching and sharing your story, and there was things like questionnaires and um, mime, and there was this nugget of evangelism called street drama. And there was one particular uh, drama sketch that we did on, on the street, which was called the chicken sketch. Is anyone here brave enough to admit that they have ever done the chicken sketch on the streets? Anyone? There's a hand over there, that man in green. 
You see him there? I've got to tell you something. He is a likely candidate for raising the dead. Because in, back in those days, if I had a choice, Mark, what would you like to do? The chicken sketch or raise the dead? I would choose raising the dead. That would be the, the easiest option. Because to go out on the streets, we did this chicken sketch. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but there was a part in this sketch where um, I had to be a chicken. Um, and I thought, I really thought, back in those days as a young Christian, I thought, God, if this is the way that I'm going to connect the brokenness of our streets with the love of your heart, then I'm going to be the best chicken there ever is. <laughs> and so I would go, at, and as we imagine 30 of us running around on the street. I'm, I'm so glad we don't do this here. Maybe you do, but you're not telling me. But I'm so glad we don't do this here. But there was, I, was the, I was, wanted to be the best chicken. So I would go around, I would go... <laughs> A bit of a higher pitch than that, I've lost my voice, but you know, and, and I'm running around and there's uh, like, a, like a headless chicken and imagine 30 of us running around. And as I'm doing this, I could see that the passers-by and they're embarrassed, you know, for us. And I can hear them saying to each other, I'm, I always hear them saying to each other, don't look at them poor things, don't make it any worse than it already is. Okay. And... Um, and I really felt that. And then at the end, I thought, Lord, Lord, there's got to be a better way. <laughs> so I went for a walk and a talk with the Lord, as you do, and they carried on being the chickens and doing. And, I, and this was in Samuel and Dudley. I came to the end of town, and there was um, a, a monument. It was a long walk because it was quite a long talk. came to the end of town, and there was a monument. It was a fist holding a cross. And it was uh, dedicated to John Wesley. I remember on the inscription, there was, it said something like this, that John Wesley preached from a horse box and the glory of God fell. And I said, Father, thank you for what you did with John all those years ago, but we need your glory to fall today. And I heard the Lord say, go heal the sick. So I went back in obedience back to where we were, tore off a sheet off the sketchboard and wrote on it, miracles and healings here. And by faith and out of obedience, I just began to do what the Lord asked me to do. And I began to see signs and wonders. And... Um, so, I remember going to, um, and I thought every time I go onto the streets, I will pray for the sick, I will, I will do this. And I remember going to uh, a place in the London area, Edmonton Green. It's not actually a green, it's a large paved area. And I was sharing with some, uh, some Christians there, them, encouraging them in evangelism. And we saw... God moving in great power, signs and wonders. I remember um, there was a lady standing there. The crowd starts, starts to gather. I see a lady standing there. I have a word of knowledge for her. I asked her if, she would, if that was right. She needed prayer. She did. She agreed. She came forward. She wouldn't face me. She, she stood slightly to the side. In those days, we didn't have chairs. The chairs for healing on the streets was to stop people falling on the ground. Right? So we didn't have those in those days. But what we did was because of the manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit, bodies were falling on the ground on the streets. And sometimes, you know, there were, there were, I remember, a pavement full of bodies, members of the public, where the Spirit of God had fallen. And the policemen and policewomen were walking by saying, I haven't seen anything, I haven't seen anything, I haven't seen anything. So we made sure when we start to pray for people, there were people standing behind them. 
And as I began to pray for this woman, I've got to be quick because of time. As I began to pray for this woman, um, I made sure there was someone standing behind. A, a Greek couple walked by. And uh, the, there was a mother and daughter. And the mother was saying to the daughter, that man is trying to fool everyone into believing that Jesus is alive today. That's it's a lie. He died 2,000 years ago. That's the end of the story. But standing next to me just happened to be one of the leaders of the churches I was with. And his name was John. And he just happened to be Greek. And he replied back to them in their native tongue, which made them stop in, you know, shocked that someone would reply back to them in Greek. He had a bit of a conversation, and he said to me, he, he quoted this verse of Scripture, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now watch what he's going to do. I love leaders who are in faith. And as I began to pray, and they stopped there watching, and as I began to pray for this lady, she, you have to imagine this picture. She dives past me like this, in midair, face first, she spins in midair and she lands on her back over there where the Lord is setting her free. And I look to the person standing behind her and I go, <laughs> why didn't you catch her? You know? um, anyway, it was an amazing time. The whole afternoon, every single person that came for prayer that afternoon testified that God had healed them. Every single person. And it went on the whole afternoon. And this couple gave their hearts to Jesus because of what they'd witnessed. Um, a month or so later, I was at home in, this is when we were in London, and um, there was a, uh, I was in my flat, walking towards the front door, where a flimsy blue airmail envelope came in through the letterbox. Do you remember those very thin ones? And I hadn't seen one of those in years. So I picked it up and I looked at the back, and it was, it was addressed, it came from, a pastor in Pakistan, in an area of Pakistan, um, Gujranwala. And, and one, I don't know any pastors in Pakistan, and I have to confess to the shame of me, I thought it was a scam, I thought someone was after my money. Uh, I confessed to my shame. And I opened it up, and, and this uh, pastor was pleading for me to come to Pakistan. Now, I have to tell you that Pakistan was the last place on the planet that I wanted to go to. Okay. And so um, I put it down on the table. I had no intention of going to Pakistan. And then an hour later, the telephone rang. And I answered the phone. It was a man with a Pakistani accent. And he said to me, Mark, um, you don't know me, but I was on the streets in Edmonton Green where I saw signs and wonders breaking out. And I contacted my pastor in Pakistan, uh, the church that I grew up in, um, and I told him about what I'd witnessed. Have you by any chance received a letter from him? And I says, uh, yes, one's just come in today, actually. He said, well, in there is a genuine invitation to come to Pakistan. Could you please prayerfully consider going? And I said, okay. Now, this is the way I began to pray. Heavenly Father, if you really, really want me to go to Pakistan, would you really, really make it clear for me? Because I really don't want to go. <laughs> okay. And so I went, the, and then that Sunday I went to church, and one of the members of the church came up to me, and her sister had gone to be with, with Jesus, and 
she said to me, Mark, I had a dream about you last night. I said, you did? What, what was it? So, well, um, we were you know, standing at the street corner. My, my, I, I saw my sister standing on the street corner, and she was handing out tracts to, to passers-by. And then when I approached her, she came, she gave me a, 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 the biggest bear hug. And then she said to me, can you go to Pakistan? And I said, no. She said, is there anyone in your church that you can send? And I said, yes, Mark can go. <laughs> she, said, she said to me, does that mean anything to you? <laughs> I, I replied, maybe. I mean, how much clearer do you have to hear when God is speaking to us? How much clearer? So you can begin to see how I can identify with, with Gideon. So I began to pray like this. Heavenly Father, if you really, really want me to go to Pakistan, Please make it really, really clear to me. And in the meantime, I started to ask people who, you know, I was connected with who had a heart for those out in the streets. And um, I said, well, how would you feel about coming with me to Pakistan? Possibly, if I should possibly go. And then the, a, an elder of the church who is, um, his name is Lecter, he was, he's from Jamaica. He has an amazing sense of humor. And um, so Lecter's the kind of person who, he would tell you a story. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it was just a story until, you know, um, he came to the end and you found he was pulling your leg, you know. A wonderful sense of humor. So Lecter phoned and said, Mark, it's, it's, uh, it's me, Lecter. says, I, I'm in the church building. You'll never guess who I'm, I've got standing next to me. I said, who, Lecter? I thought, this is one of his stories. I can just feel it's one of his stories coming. He said, it's the Bishop of Pakistan, and he wants to speak to you. I said, the Bishop of Pakistan is in our church building. He wants to speak to me. I said, put him on the phone. I thought, I've got you now. There was silence. And then this voice came on the phone. Hello? <laughs> My name is Samuel. I am the Bishop of Pakistan. I said, Lecter, that's the best voice I've ever heard you put on. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, I really am the Bishop of Pakistan. <laughs> said, and then he begins to describe, he begins to describe uh, that he, is, he had been on a preaching tour of America and that he had decided to hop on a plane to to come to the UK to visit his very best friend who he went to school with, who just happened to go to uh, your church. Did you know that? Panic starts to rise up in my heart. And, um, and he said, and he informs me that you're thinking of coming to Pakistan. Well, we have a small gathering um, each year of about 50,000 people, and I want to make a personal invitation for you to come. And I put my hand up and said, yes, Lord, I'll go. And very green, I went there and saw God doing the most incredible, amazing, wonderful things. Thousands coming to faith. Uh, amazing miracles of healing. And I just say that because 
You know, we, God, is, God sometimes calls us to do things we don't really want to do. We feel safe within our building, but God wants us out of the building and out onto the streets and into our workplaces, into, our, you know, wherever we do life, in our schools, universities, and begin to share the life that Jesus has given to us. Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness but will have the light of life. And then he spins it around and says, you are the light of the world. He says, don't hide your light. Don't hide it away. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And the whole, you know, the whole of creation is longing for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Because God has called you to be a mighty warrior. God has called you, he has equipped you, he has given you his authority, he has raised you up. The Father has raised you up with Christ and has seated you with him at his right hand. Heaven is your home. You are citizens of God's kingdom. You have a a privileged position. You really have a privileged position. You can come and go You have a seat at the king's table. You can come and go whenever you like. You're heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. And Jesus has delegated you his authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to you, has been given to me, Jesus said. All powers and principalities have been placed under his feet. Every sickness, every disease has been placed under his feet. He says, you go as my as my ambassadors, to go and do the things that I was doing on the earth. And, the, and Jesus went around doing good and healing all that were under the power of the devil. He says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I will loosen in heaven. And what Jesus is saying is, you go with my authority, and when you begin to speak with authority to those mountains and command them to move, then I will back them up from heaven. God has given you more than you know. Which said this to us many years ago. He said, you Christians are ignorant about what it is you've been given. He said, we witches spend, spend months trapping a demon into a tree. Now, if you know why witches do that, please don't come and tell me. I have no interest for that kind of knowledge. But then she went on to say, then one of, the, then one of you ignorant Christians walks by, by our tree and all our work is undone. I thought, praise God. <laughs> if we do, if we... If we can do that in ignorance, imagine what we could do with the understanding of our, of our identity in Christ. So Paul prays the Ephesians that we, that we would have, the Ephesians would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation so they may know Jesus better and this inheritance that we have and his incomparably great power that is available for us who believe. Imagine how much power is is needed to cause a mountain to move from here to there. Jesus said, not only will you do what I've, what I've done to that fig tree, he said, have faith in God. I tell you the truth, if anyone, hands up if you're anyone. I'm glad there's no nobodies here. If anyone says to this mountain, I better be careful, are there any mountains over here, just that side? No? Is that okay? Oh, just safe. Okay, let's be quick. If anyone says to this mountain, jump into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. And the father says, have faith. 
Have faith in me. Believe in, believe like a child would believe their dad. Begin to speak to the mountain. Begin to bring what God has given to you. He's given you his authority as an ambassador, as a representative. And where, wherever you, your feet tread upon, that ground belongs to the kingdom. Where you sit is, a, is, the, is the potential for the miraculous to break out, right where you sit. You're, you are a royal priesthood and carriers of divine presence. The Holy Spirit of God lives within you. You are mighty warriors. That is your true calling. And God is calling you out. And what happens is the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. That was a transforming uh, power that turned him into what he was always destined to be. And when Jesus sent the, the 12 out, he gave them authority to heal the sick and to tell people the kingdom of God is near. Then the 72, and then the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. Go in, go in the strength that you have. In your weakness, but I'm so weak. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. He said to the disciples, wait in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. You shall begin to share this, this, this wonderful story of Jesus with power. The Holy Spirit of God is your partner. He's the one who will, who will reveal the truth to the heart and to the mind. He's the one who brings healing, the power of ch who can change everything. And 40, within 40 minutes, I've seen people, atheists, I've seen people who are in total unbelief come from unbelief to a faith, a saving faith in Jesus because of the demonstration of the power of God and the Holy Spirit. And each one of you has that potential. Each one of you has that. But the enemy wants to discourage you. He wants to um, cause fear to prevent you from paralyze you, to stop you from moving forward. You are so loved. You are so precious to him. And I, and I really believe that that God is, is about to do something with you as a church. You know, one of the things I discovered when just seeking God's face and being close, being clothed in his presence. You know, Jesus couldn't hide his presence. He goes into a house. And he didn't want any, anyone to know, but the Bible says he could not hide his presence. When he entered into Jerusalem, he caused the whole city to be stirred because he carried the very presence of God. People just wanted to touch him. Many of you are healing the sick in ignorance. You don't even realize it. You go and shake the hand of someone who's sick and they're healed. And you walk down the street, you accidentally bump into someone, they're healed because you've been in God's presence of who it is you carry. God is wanting to reveal to you your true identity. Mighty warriors, rise up. I'll just share this story and we're going to pray. So I've gone for so long. I was in... Um, I was in Ilford, Essex. Anyone know Ilford, Essex? Okay. I was in Ilford, Essex. I, was, I had a flat there at one time. Um, and I was outside this big departmental store called Harrison Gibson's. I don't know if it's still there. 
but my wife and I, we needed um, some furniture for this little sort of flatlet that we had. And I was looking through this, this large plate glass window and looking at the settee, thinking that would go perfectly in our living room. But as I was looking through this plate glass window, my eyes suddenly began to focus on the plate glass. And as I looked slightly to my right, I could see a reflection of a man standing just over here to my right, dressed from head to foot in black, completely black. But what I, what I noticed that he wasn't looking at me, uh, sorry, he wasn't looking at the furniture or through the window. He was, he was glaring at me. Straight away I knew that, that this was demonic. I really knew that this was a spiritual battle. You see, you are going to you will attract the things of heaven. When you're walking closely with God and you understand the authority that you have, you will attract the things of heaven. And there is a battle going on in the heavenly realms. And you will become aware of that, but you are not to be afraid. Do not be afraid. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love and power and a sound mind. And if you, and if you feel the spirit of despair, know this, that it's because, it is because the enemy is afraid of what it is you carry. Isaiah 61, somewhere here written on this, there, is your true calling church so you have to know that when those things happen that those are the lies of the enemy that's the enemy trying to discourage to put fear and terror into you and I turned to the man like this and straight away I began to pray inwardly in tongues do you know you can pray in tongues quietly did you know that I began to pray in tongues quietly he was he was glaring at me and the first thing he said was stop praying I said no I carried on to pray in tongues. He said, stop praying. I went, no. He said, I'm going to smash your face in. I said, no, you're not. I thought, I'm not going to cause a commotion, but I'm going to walk away. And I kept praying. I thought, it's not wise. As I walked away, it's not wise to turn my back on a man who's just threatened to, to, to hit me. So as I look behind me, I see him walking towards me with his fist raised. And I stopped in the middle of the pedestrianized area of Ilford, and I pointed at him, I said, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And he took off like he was on fire down the road. <laughs> and I stood there in a little, you know, slightly bemused and shocked. And he ran down the road, down the pedestrian area, and he, and he hid around the corner, shot around the corner. And, I saw his, and as I stood there looking, I saw his head pop around. To make sh he was making sure I wasn't chasing him. So you have authority. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee, the Bible says. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. He that is within you, the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within the most holy place, your human spirit, is greater than he that's in the world. And when Jesus, the disciples, returned, after being given that authority, the 72, they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus was full of joy because every time we discover what God has made available to us, it brings joy to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the evil one. But don't rejoice 
that the demons submit to you in my name, but your name's written in heaven. And folks, you have authority. From the age of four, our children in Causeway Coast, they pray. They, they, uh, we have our children growing up in a culture of believing and knowing their identity and authority. A, 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 a lad who was asked to give a talk on, in an English lesson on, his, uh, on the importance of friendship decided that he would sh share um, his relationship with Jesus. He would speak about his relationship with Jesus. And at the end, he was supposed to finish with a quote from C.S. Lewis, but instead, he made an appeal. And 11 of his classmates responded to the call of salvation, including the teacher. Come on. The miracle question that I was sharing is just a tool. It's just a tool. That's, that's not it. But the Spirit of God is everything. And if you acknowledge him and honor him and be aware of him and ask him to help you, he's going to help you. Let's close our eyes. We're going to pray.